This week, U.S. government shutdown leaves dozens of .gov sites vulnerable. Firefox 69 is set to disable Adobe Flash. An unpatched vCard flaw could leave your PC open to attackers. Tesla's contest at Pwn to Own could win you a brand new Tesla Model 3. And how building site cranes are easier to hack than your garage door openers. Jason Wood from Paladin Security joins us for expert commentary on how the Boston Hospital attacker was sentenced to 10 years in prison. All that and more on this episode of Hack Naked News. This is Security Weekly. For security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show that brings you the security news each week. And despite popular belief, we do wear pants. It's Hack Naked News. Do you have a website, an external presence, employees, an office? Any of these things can be compromised and attacked. How are you defending your assets? Have you penetration tested your public assets? Start 2018 by taking a proactive approach to securing your vulnerable areas. Black Hills Information Security has been helping companies find their weaknesses since 2008. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com and see how they can help you sleep better at night. Welcome to Hack Naked News, episode 203 for January 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian. Quick announcement, the RSA Conference 2019 is right around the corner. It's the latest in cybersecurity data, innovation, and thought leadership, March 4th through the 8th in San Francisco, of course, where RSA will be held. We've got a special offer for Security Weekly listeners. You can visit rsaconference.com forward slash securityweekly-us19. Make sure you use our discount code 5U9SWFD. That's 5 Utah Niner Sierra Whiskey Foxtrot Delta. Get you $100 off. And now, the security news for this week. A critical flaw in Cisco's email security appliance enables a permanent denial of service attack. Well, I mean... Sorta. Nothing's really truly permanent when we talk about these types of attacks, but this is an infinite loop for the win or the loss, depending on your perspective. Uh, the article states that once the S MIME features receive unintended input, it causes the system to crash. Uh, according to the article, they state if decryption and verification or public key harvesting is configured, the filtering process could crash due to memory corruption and restart resulting in a denial of service condition, according to Cisco. To make matters worse, the software would then attempt to resume processing the same SMIME signed email, causing the filtering process to crash and restart again, which means a successful exploit could allow the attacker to cause a permanent denial of service condition. This vulnerability may require manual intervention to recover the email security appliance. Uh, the U.S. government shutdown leaves dozens of .gov websites vulnerable to attacks. As the U.S. federal shutdown continues, dozens of U.S. government websites have been rendered either insecure or inaccessible due to expired TLS certificates that have not been renewed. In fact, .gov websites are using more than 80 TLS certificates that have expired, according to a report, a new report on Thursday by Netcraft. That's because funding for renewals has been paused due to the shutdown. That opens uh, the impacted sites to an array of cybersecurity attacks, most notably man in the middle. The FCC and call authentication. 
I found this article interesting, not so much cybersecurity related, but many of us get those annoying spam calls on our phone. And specifically, the FCC is pushing telecommunications companies to adopt call authentication to verify the caller ID reading. Ajit Pai, the FCC chairman, is determined to have telecommunications companies adopt robust call authentication to combat illegitimate caller ID spoofing, which is largely part of, uh, speaking of caller ID, I just, you know, I didn't mute my phone, rookie, rookie mistake, didn't mute my phone before the show. Um, so the FCC hopes to have the call authentication framework in production in 2019. Of course, my thinking is adoption will be slow. Um, the authentication method, you ask? Well, it's a robust call authentication, uses two frameworks to verify the caller ID. The two frameworks are secure handling of asserted information using tokens or shocking and the secure telephony identity or stir uh secure telephony identity revisited uh the process to verify a caller id uses certificates uh to verify that the caller id wasn't manipulated to look like an un an authorized number firefox 69 to disable adobe flash by default um According to Mozilla, they are now to schedule, uh, they state that we are now scheduled to completely disable Flash in Firefox 69, which removes uh, moves on to the stable release on August 3rd of this year. Mozilla notes on the browser roadmap, um, that was on the browser roadmap page, in July 2017, of course, Adobe announced plans to completely kill Flash and stop providing security updates for it by the end of 2020. Mozilla states when Adobe stops shipping security updates for Flash at the end of 2020, Firefox will refuse to load any of the Flash plugins. Mozilla notes uh, on the Firefox plugin, oh, again, on the Firefox plugins roadmap. Uh, however, if you're using Google Chrome, the official statement from Google reads, important note, Adobe has announced deprecation of Flash Player for December 2020 and will be turned off by default in Chrome in July of 2019. We strongly encourage customers to migrate to alternative solutions. Goodbye, Flash. Unpatched vCard flaw could allow attackers to hack your Windows PC. According to a researcher, a remote attacker can maliciously craft a vCard file in a way that the contact's website URL stored within the file points to a local executable file, which can then be sent in a zipped file via email or delivered via drive-by download. As shown in the video demonstration on the link in the show notes, if a victim clicks the website URL, the Windows operating system would run the malicious executable without displaying any warning. Instead of opening the web uh, address in the web browser, the vulnerability was reported to Microsoft's security team through Trend Micro Zero Day Initiative program over six months ago, um, and Microsoft has refused to patch this vulnerability, at least for now. A 36-year-old SCP client implementation flaw is discovered. In other terms, SCP, which dates back to 1983, is a secure version of RCP that uses authentication and encryption of the SSH protocol to transfer files between a server and client. Discovered by Harry Sintonen of F-Secure, um, a senior consultant there, the vulnerabilities existed due to poor validations performed by the SCP clients, which can be abused by malicious servers to perform man-in-the-middle attacks, drop or overwrite arbitrary files on the client system. Now, there were multiple flaws 
Um, however, CVE 2018-20685 was patched in the OpenSSH implementation of the SSH protocol in November of last year, I'm assuming, though the fix has not been formally released by the vendor yet. Uh, the rest of the three vulnerabilities remain unpatched in version 7.9, the latest version released in October of the OpenSSH library. Tesla's software bug bounty is going to the big leads at Pwn to Own. Of course, uh, it happens every year, the Pwn to Own competition at CanSec West. Um, most car manufacturers, according to the article, would dread the idea of someone hacking into their vehicles. Yeah, okay, little sensationalism there. We'll get to more sensationalism towards the end. But Tesla, and not this story, has decided to go another way and open up its software to the hacking contest called Pwn to Own, which again happens in Vancouver for Kansak West. The winner will take home a Tesla Model 3. Imagine that. You hack the car and you get to drive it home. Of course, I mean, if you live anywhere outside of Vancouver, that could be a really long drive on battery, nonetheless. Anyway, Tesla's uh, involvement in Pwn to Own is just the latest escalation of its bug-seeking behavior in 2018. 2018, the company altered its warranty policy to state that as long as security exploits are found and reported within the limits outlined by the bug bounty program, the user's warranty will remain intact. And yes, according to this article, yes, you can remotely hack building site cranes. Wait, what? The sensationalism this is my comment, surrounding IoT security or lack thereof is unprecedented. According to the article, available attack vectors for mischief makers, including the ability to inject commands, malicious repairing, and even the ability to create one's own custom havoc wreaking commands to remotely control equipment. The researchers state that their findings show that the current industrial remote controllers are less secure than garage door openers. Not sure what that means or where the security level of garage door openers are compared to all of the rest of the devices. However, uh, the article goes on to say that a security analysis of radio remote controllers published today, um, it, it, that was in the report that was published today by Trend Micro. Now, we get it. IoT systems that control a wide variety of things from hot tubs to cranes are lacking security. Can we just fix this already? Because quite frankly, I'm really tired of covering it on the show. In any case, we're going to take a short break. Come back with expert commentary from Jason Wood from Paladin Security. Stay tuned. Today's determined attackers easily bypass even the most advanced network defenses. Trying to ramp up staff to detect their back doors can cost thousands of dollars and take months, even years. With Active Countermeasures AI Hunter, we enable junior analysts to detect even the most advanced back doors in a matter of hours. Sign up for a demo and purchase our product today by visiting activecountermeasures.com forward slash PSW. Active Countermeasures. Make every analyst a hunter. Welcome back, everyone, to Hack Naked News. If you're interested in going to a really awesome conference that happens in Orlando every year, this year's InfoSec World will be April 1st through the 3rd at Disney's Contemporary Resort. You can connect and network with like-minded individuals in search of actionable information. The registration code is OS19-SECWEEK, which gets you 15% off. Register today. Jason Wood from Paladin Security joins us. Jason, welcome. Hey, Paul. It seems to have been a while since I've been on Naked News with the holidays right? and everything. Welcome back, my friend. What's going on in the expert commentary for this week? So this, uh, the source for this is a blog post on the Sophos uh, Naked Security blog. It was titled 10 Years for Boston Children's Hospital Attacker. 
And the article goes on to describe some, uh, what I think is a really risky decision that somebody made uh, that could have harmed a lot of patients down at Boston Children's Hospital or BCH as I'll probably refer to it here. Uh, so let's give you some background on what happened before I get into kind of my thoughts on it. And this goes back a number of years. Back in February 2013, a 15-year-old girl identified only as Justina was taken away from her parents because BCH doctors decided her parents were abusing her and that the symptoms she was having were not actual manifestations of illness, but um, something being carried over from the abuse. She was made a ward of the state at that point, and this lasted for over a year. It looks like like about two years, actually. Uh, but after she'd been in, in state uh, custody for a year, activists decided it was time to start protesting her detention or her, her custody situation. I guess she wasn't really detained, but she just wasn't at home. So in April 2014, a group of these folks got together, put on their anonymous hat, and started firing off uh, distributed denial of service attacks primarily. One of these individuals, a gentleman named Martin Gottsfeld, deployed malware to 40,000 routers, apparently, at BCH. And he wasn't very anonymous because he had them connect back to his house. Huh. Uh, probably not a good choice either. Not so smart. No, the results of his actions are were that basically that BCH lost internet access and it overflowed to other hospitals in the Boston area. Uh, just uh, recently, Gottsfield was sentenced to ten years in prison, which he of course plans to appeal. Now, his perspective on this is that he was doing this to um, to protect Justina, um, but. You know, I, I really don't want to get into you know his motivations or whether or not that was legitimate or not. Uh, decision, you know, activity to take. Uh, well, actually, I'm going to get into that aspect, I guess, or whether it was right for uh, the doctors at BCH and law enforcement decide to go ahead and remove Justina from her parents' custody. Yeah, it sounds like uh, we we don't have the evidence in that the, as to why she was removed from her parents. I don't know. If, no, I mean, it's, it's like a line or two in the article. And, yeah. Um, and, and I suppose folks will vary opinion on this could vary quite a bit. Um, you can check it out in the show notes. I've got a link in the show notes to, to check out the blog post, original blog post if you want to take a look at it. But what I, I do want to focus on a little bit here is that in a number of different ways, Gottsfeld is really lucky that the prosecutors didn't or weren't able to prove, prove harm to other patients there at the hospital. Um, his sentence could have been much worse had they been able to do that, particularly since he decided to represent himself, be his own lawyer, and he stood up in front of the judge and made comments like, my only regret is, regret is I didn't get to Justina sooner. I wish I had done more. Um, so we've talked about a number of incidents that have occurred at uh, healthcare systems here on Hack Naked News and Security Weekly. The you know incidents where like uh, ransomware had gotten loose in the environment and shut it down, and the impact basically to the uh, uh, impact to the ability of these facilities to provide care to their patients was one of the things that got highlighted. Um, 
these facilities, you know, they depend on these type of systems to manage patient information and their treatment. Uh, I know from my experiences doing penetration testing, a number of these systems are cloud-based. So even not having access to the internet takes down that, that functionality. Um, and so medical records go offline. Uh, and when this happens, doctors are unable to see what the status of the patient is, what their history is. They can't see what's been prescribed or any allergies they may have to medications. Uh, in some instances with newer doctors, they may even be unfamiliar with using paper records if they exist and how to read them. So, you know, the folks are really used to these systems and all of a sudden they disappear. Uh, pharmacies inside of hospitals can't fill prescriptions. They, uh, in fact, I, I'm related to a director of a pharmacy and, you know, his comment is they can get a written prescription valid and everything. And for some painkillers and other controlled substances, they can't distribute it because the system won't allow them to do it. Uh, primarily due to regulations around controlled sub substances. Uh, so if the system's down, they're done. I mean, that's just kind of it. And potentially if they broke into the vault, you know, or the, this, the, the dispensing system, you know, their, their careers are on the line at that point. Um, so the bottom line here is without these systems, things get, can get very serious for the patients fast. And Gottsfeld's actions absolutely impacted the availability of these systems. Uh, according to the article, they were down for a couple of weeks while they were dealing with this. Um, so I, I guess what I, I want to bring out in this is just kind of some awareness on the impact of what these, the, the availability of these systems has um, and the, the impact it could have to patients. Um, is protesting a legal situation uh, of an individual worth justifying the health of uninvolved patients? Now, in my view, the answer to this is an emphatic no. Um, shouldn't be doing things that can have this type of impact. You should be aware that, that these types of activities, denial of service, that's, that is a very likely outcome of it, is you take these systems offline and uh, people's treatment and their health starts getting uh, a bit riskier, and starts becoming a little bit jeopardized. So, you know, it, I, I think activists and hacktivists don't have to take actions to, uh, that, can po that pose a threat to others to highlight an issue that they want to protest against or some kind of potential abuse that they're upset about. There are other things that can be done beyond, you know, well, well short of taking down a hospital, hospital's network and removing their ability to treat patients. Um, yeah, I think, I think today having an elective procedure done. Yeah, and I, I think today that, you know, hacktivism and these types of uh, incidents and violations of the law are prosecuted pretty regularly now, you know, whereas 20 plus years ago, maybe not so much, but uh, a lot of people have a pretty good handle on the impacts and proven case law, which means if you pull a stunt like this, you're likely going to prison. I'm not very yeah. hopeful hearing all of what I've heard today that his appeal will be successful, especially if he continues to represent himself, sounds like. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely, I mean, not a lawyer, but I don't think, because I'm not a lawyer, I don't think that's the best choice. Right. Um, you know, the, the judge, actually, if you read the article, got really harsh on him for some of his statements. Um, so, you know, if you, if you are out there and you hear somebody talking about a, 
uh, a situation like this, this young woman found herself in and they want to do something to protest, use their computer skills to highlight the issue, uh, perhaps a warning to them if you could provide it saying, hey, be aware of what the heck you're talking about doing because this goes far beyond you know, somebody being separated from their parents. You could you know, jeopardize somebody's health. And if prosecutors get a hold of that, you may be looking at much more than 10 years. Awesome. Jason, thank you so much. That will conclude this episode of Hack Naked News. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. See you next time.